Hi, I'm Jillian Swinford. And I'm Haley Brolison. And this is Mother Nature Will Kill You. A podcast about the most horrific tragedies and the most triumphant survival stories that the wilderness can provide. So grab your backpack and maybe a bottle of wine and let's go on a wild ride into the unknown. Walking down this road I go, but I am going alone, running far, far from home, till I am skin and bone. Hope everyone is is doing well. Um, no, Waylon's doing well because he got into my purse and had a little snack while I was gone. Oh, a snicky snack! I came a back in my room and there's like a peanut butter granola bar wrapper on the ground. I was like, "Bruh, You're like, well, where is good, it?" Good thing it wasn't chocolate. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mersey yeah. has been up our ass all day because um, we. Speaking of, can you hear? Hi, Marzi. Are you a good girl? Oh, you're such a good girl. Look at her licking her butthole. <laughs> oh, did you get back from your walkie? Come here. You can't have this. I'll make too much noise. Yeah. Oh, so she's like, "Come on, it's so fun." <laughs> she's been up our our ass about um, walking her all evening because we have been in the afternoon, but now it's getting like too hot for her. So yeah, like, hey, we're gonna do it after dinner, and she was just like buzzing like practically buzzing with energy because she's like we haven't done it yet i we need to do it we need to do it right now <laughs> yeah that's cute i uh i've been taking wayland for some afternoon walks whenever i get tired from working and i need like a little brain break yeah i've been taking him on a little walk um and then sometimes when alex comes over and we have dinner it's still light out because you know it gets dark at like i don't know what time is it? it's like 8 30 and it's still kind of still light out yeah so um after dinner We'll take him on a little walk. We'll walk her dinner off and mm-hmm. get Waylon out too. So that's nice. God, you are full of spit and vinegar right now. She one. is. I love the way she's sitting on that pillow. <laughs> <laughs> Just like the awkward. Go see sit. daddy. Go see daddy. Where's daddy? Go get him. Go get him. How was the wedding that you guys went to? Um, it's good actually. Um, it was very cold though up in Omaha. Like, oh my god, yeah. It was like in the 40s one day. Ugh. What are we doing? No, thank you. I had to like pull out my sweatshirts from wintertime to wear. <laughs> You're like, I don't even know if I have those anymore. <laughs> I literally I have a box of winter jackets and they stay on the top shelf because I'm like, I hardly reach those anymore. Right. Like I put them away for the season because our winter ends like our last cold front in February. And yeah. then it's like in the like 50s is the lowest it gets and that's usually in the morning anyway and now it's in the 80s and 90s so yeah it's hot all the time here yeah I feel like here in the fall there might be like a week or two that a cold front comes through when it's like 50 degrees lowest right. but 
and it gets and then it gets warmer in the middle of the day and it's just kind of like normal fall weather it's never truly like winter yeah. weather no yeah we don't really have winter we have like what what our equivalent of fall is yeah um but yeah so it was, it was cold and rainy and I didn't bring a rain jacket because I wasn't paying attention <laughs> so. that's fair um but it was in this really cool like art deco style hotel oh fun really cool um and it was lovely and the bride and groom were very cute and we all had a really good time Corey got to see all of his friends like childhood friends so it was good and for the most part um we ate really really well (laughs) so he has pretty good food I'm not gonna lie um we had the most amazing like ramen and steamed buns the last night we were there Ooh. I was like oh it was so good because I'm on a, a ramen kick lately I'm obsessed ramen um, sounds very nice I'm just a big noodle fan yes yes I could do noodles any time of day yeah any time of year but yeah it was, it was a good time it's actually a pretty like it was a fun little city to hang out in especially because we don't really get to go do that kind of stuff because we live in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't want to live in Nebraska. <laughs> no, so. I wouldn't either. No, thank you. But as far as like places like cities, that's, it was a nice city. It was yeah. actually kind of hilly and pretty. Um, it was just cold the whole time. You know what I mean? Yeah. I couldn't do the cold. That's why I say no, thank you. Yeah the Midwest be like that. It's like either freaking hot as shit or it's like, oh, it's going to snow in the middle of April. Have fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's exactly what happened. I want to say it was to my, well, I, I know it was to my boyfriend's parents, but I want to say it was in the middle of April because I remember he showed me a video that I think it was his mom took. It was his mom or his aunt. And it was like just snowing and it mm-hmm. ha- had already had a blanket of snow in the backyard. Yeah. And they're yeah. just like, Ugh. yeah, and it, I think it was April 1st, actually. Like mother nature was like, haha, April fools. Like, yeah, no, thank <laughs> it's not you. springtime yet. No, it's like, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't need that in my but life. Also in Virginia that happened too, like a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago in Haymarket, it snowed. I know. Yeah. Jeez like, Louise. And my brother. The weather's been crazy. It has been. And I was going to say my brother's brother-in-law. So whatever that would be for me, I don't know what to refer to him as, but, um, he's in the area because he went to law school in the area. And, um, since he's in the area, we invite him to all family functions. And over mm-hmm. the weekend was my Nana's funeral. So he was at the funeral and the reception and everything. Yeah. And he was, he was asking about that. He was like, I think this is his first winter or maybe his second winter, but he's still trying to figure out if that was like normal. And I was like, nah, that's not mm-hmm. very normal. It never really snows in April. <laughs> So Corey was telling me, so you're talking about it before I got food poisoning on the way back home from Omaha. And we were talking about like how crazy the wind was because he was like trying to figure out, he uses the wind forecast to figure out whether he's going out in the field or not right. for work. Um, Cause they're on small boats and you know, when the wind gets rough, it's uh, dangerous for them. And so apparently all wind everywhere has been like higher than normal in the United States, which is why there's been like all these tornadoes and stuff in the Midwest. It's partially why we're having all this weird weather, all these late uh, in the year uh, snowstorms and stuff like that. Like 
Well, we were in Nebraska, just, you know, a couple hundred miles south of us in Wichita, Kansas. There was this, this tornado that went through Andover in Wichita, which is where my friend used to live. And it like the footage of it is terrifying to watch. I saw that actually today. Mm-hmm. No one died though, right? Not to my knowledge. Because of the footage, I think it was in Kansas. Yeah. Because I, I did see some footage of a tornado re- that was recent and it, mm-hmm. it looked terrifying, but yeah, it did say like no casualties reported. So yeah, that's literally where my um, best friend used to live and went to high school was in Andover, Gosh. which is like that's a so scary suburb or like a community of Wichita, Kansas. So, and like the footage they captured was so up close. I've never seen like tornado footage like that before yeah that's scary and when I was watching it I was like this is why tornadoes are number one on my list of things that I do not want to encounter yeah yeah and it just doesn't look like it ends anytime soon like it just keeps going then I know that it's only like 15 minutes usually but like how do they dissipate I know they like from what I know they dissipate by going over elevation because they can't climate or it's like it's in the way and it kind of breaks down the wind action yeah I think there's a lot of different things that or some things don't get it it has a lot to do with like the way the wind is working as well so it doesn't necessarily need elevation if like you get an updraft that causes a tornado if that loses energy then the tornado just kind of disappears so it just gotcha anything that makes it lose energy which makes sense yeah but Imagine if like a, there like <laughs> there was just like perpetual tornadoes around that never ended that would be because so like scary. like what the fuck? <laughs> I told you that's the one natural disaster that I'm very terrified of because they pop out out of nowhere without a whole lot yes. of warning. And I used to live in Kansas um, and experienced several there like within our town and our area. And I still have nightmares about tornadoes, like straight up. I'm sure. (laughs) Hurricanes, I'm like, "Eh, it's fine, just leave. (laughs) Yeah. Because you know they're coming, right? Yeah, but like they also all, both of them destroy your homes. Yeah, yeah. There's also that. But like, remember in Virginia, we're like in school when they would teach you how to like prepare for a tornado, like the tornado drills where you're just sitting under your desk. Yeah. Or, or like, like in the hallway with your head covered. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> Basically, you go to wherever part of the building is the most sturdy. That's the thought behind that, which. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and if you cover your head, you're li- less likely to get knocked out by flying debris. It's like, they might as well just have given us all helmets. Like, what do you think we're going to, like, really? And you expect, like, a bunch of fourth graders to remain calm during that? Jesus. I have a news story um, from Canada. Oh. Um, so, north. yeah, the, the great north. Great white north. Um, so, we've talked about, like, bear attacks before on this episode. Yeah, and actually, I signed up for an REI virtual lesson of how to handle uh, bears in the wild if you're camping, so I'm going to be doing that soon. (laughs) Yeah, but um, we haven't really talked about, well, we have mentioned uh, polar bear attacks in some of our stories being 
a thing that might happen to you when you're, you know, in the Arctic, right? Mm -hmm. That makes sense because they live there, right? Well, this story takes place a lot farther south than the normal polar bears range. Um, This was in St. Anthony, Canada, which is, I believe, in Newfoundland, which is a large um, island um, province off the east coast of Canada. So for everybody on the east coast, if you hit Maine, you just keep going past um, everything and hop on a ferry and you'll get to Newfoundland. So it's on it's on that coastline. Um, So this area is not native to polar bears. I'm going to stress that. Okay. Um, but this woman found out that there was a polar bear climbing on her roof. Oh my day. God. <laughs> so this happened in early April, April 12th. Um, and the neighbor's security camera captured this polar bear climbing on her roof. Um, granted, it, it, there was snow. Um, and everything like that, but like I said, not their native range. Um, so this woman's name is Bobby Stevens. Um, she found the bear outside her home on Sunday, April 10th. She was reading in her bedroom between 6 p.m. Um, when her dog, Chum, jumped on the bed and took off running, which, bitch, same. Um, yeah, I would have done the same. So... She thought maybe that there was somebody at the door. She went to check, but she opened the like top part of her Dutch door. So, you know, those doors that have like, they're like two doors stacked on top of each other. Like, like it, two or doors like on one, top of each other. It's like, like one a, door, a, a tall cabinet with two doors on top of each other. <laughs> it's like a one door sliced in half and you okay, can open yes. both of them yes. diff- independently. So it's like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Cottages and stuff almost. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so she opened the top part and looked um, to the hill behind her house and w- came face to face with a polar bear. Jesus. So <laughs> I do not want to have that happen to me. <laughs> so by the time she got to the door, she said it jumped on the roof um, and it was coming up the steps and looked right at her. Um, so she quickly shut the door, called 911. Um, and she was told that she would be contacted by a conservation officer and the police. Um, while she was waiting, she called her neighbor and watched the polar bear go down between the neighbor's bus and a car over the hill. Um, and then she saw it head towards the water. She's not, she said she wasn't sure, but she did breathe a sigh of relief. Yeah, because she's like, thank God it's out of my so how did this uh polar bear even get in this situation considering that newfoundland is an island and although it is in canada is not native is not part of the polar bear's native range um so saint anthony canada is a spot on like the very tip of newfoundland where the labrador current comes down comes through so okay they often get like massive icebergs that float by the uh, town. So it's not but, out of the realm of possibilities that this polar bear was on one of those icebergs and exactly so popped it's over. 
big chillin decided to check out the town briefly and then pop back on the icebergs it's like, it's like a fairy for the the polar bear and like, you gotta check this out um they'll even get these um like icebergs coming down in the summertime up from the arctic and there's li- they're literally like these massive massive chunks of ice like will freak you out they're so big just right off the coast of the town and mm-hmm. it's really bizarre to see well so i googled saint anthony polar canada polar bear and then i went to images and the second image the link says polar bear hitches right on iceberg yeah <laughs> yeah so that's that's how that happened um, um he looks like so his face is so cute he's like oops what are you guys looking at me for yeah, I know. yeah. someone help me get back home <laughs> so no one would have known that the polar bear had been on Stephen's roof had it not been for the neighbor catching all the actions on the security cameras. Um, and so Stephen said, I got scared when I watched the video yesterday and realized how close the bear was for to me. And then she said, I had to lie down for a while. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, imagine like if you had a pet and you didn't know a bear was on your roof. Yeah. Like, I think about well, that a lot. Just like not as bears though, but like as alligators, because we live right behind a blue hole where there's two alligators. And I'm like, what if they just decide to like leave the blue hole today and just like walk around the street and like accidentally get in the yard and Wayland's just like yeah. hanging out? I'm like, oh my goodness. But it's it's you know, alligators are one thing. I know I've seen big alligators and they're freaky, but I, I would not want to. I mean, polar bears it's are just fucking like, huge. They are huge, but it's the thought of like what I would do if my pet was in the yard when like a predator came around oh yeah like I would definitely be trying to call my dog back in but knowing Waylon he would probably be like oh what are you let's be friends and then (laughs) he'd be like ah and you you big dog we best friends we best friends yeah and then they get eaten and you're like fuck (laughs) because y'all are stupid you guys are so Um, stupid puppies all right. Well, so that I thought that was an interesting. That is interesting. I would definitely shit my pants if I was that person that lived in that house. Okie doke. So, the so polar bear from- hitched a ride on an iceberg and climbed on someone's roof. Wow, yep. I could not. I just like my brain worked faster than my mouth when I was said all <laughs> that. <laughs> I don't think I even enunciated most of those words. Uh, I mean, enunciate. you got the gist. The Sounds ADD. Like- yeah, the ADD brain in me. That that. God. <laughs> It's embarrassing. That happens a lot, actually. Oh, uh, same. Um, okay, so yeah. Uh, so I hinted that there would be some true crime Woohoo. involved in this. And true crime episodes. yeah, because we don't usually do true crime, but we occasionally do. Mm-hmm. Um, like the Clipperton Atoll was an example of horrific fuck that guy True crime um and kind of like ben mcdaniels or mcdaniel yeah uh, maybe questionably a- alleged a lot on that one yeah 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 so i feel like it can come with the territory either a true crime situation can put you in a nature-based survival situation or a nature-based survival situation can put you in a true crime situation depending on what kind of assholes you're with mm-hmm. so um never uh count out the uh shittiness of human beings that's what i've learned. they'll do anything if they're desperate too yeah yeah 
So today we're going to talk about the story of Terry Joe Duperalt, who was orphaned at sea. Bum, bum, bum. So (laughs) this was one of the like very, very early um, episodes of um, My Favorite Murder. And I had never heard about this one until they did it. Oh, really? Um, So yeah. So it's a very like near and dear to me because I've been listening to that podcast since almost since it was uh, started. And um, my mom loves that podcast. I don't really listen to that though. Yeah. Um, So this is like one of the very, very early, early, early episodes. So so let's get into it because it's Mm -hmm. fun. By fun, I mean it's horrible. Um, (laughs) (laughs) If it's fun for Jillian, it's not fun for everyone else. (laughs) Make that note. Um, So I've always wanted to take a sailing vacation, um, like going island hopping and like generally just enjoying my time and like by sailing vacation I'd rather have other people sail the ship for me so I can just like hang out and vibe more like a riding vacation exactly gotcha (laughs) (laughs) but like I I'm not rich so can't make that happen for myself um and let me tell you I know from experience that Sailing a ship is a lot of goddamn work, and I don't want to do any work that uh, is more than necessary when I'm on vacation. So, no, I don't want to sail a ship on vacation. <laughs> yeah, vacation is meant for not working. Exactly. <laughs> I know some people get a lot of enjoyment out of it, but for me, it's just more stress than anything else. Yeah, um, it's part of your survival when you're supposed to be relaxing. Exactly. I don't like it. Um, so just imagine lying out on deck with a drink in your hand as a boat sails through clear, warm waters. You can explore at your leisure, you know, whenever you tell the captain, we'd like to go snorkel over here. That sounds like a fucking dream vacation to me. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a great time. <laughs> what could um, go wrong? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but tragedy can happen on vacation as you are at your most vulnerable. You're in a new location, maybe in an isolated spot in nature, far away from familiar streets. And your guards are down too, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of crime happens to people when they're on vacation. Um, yeah, you look vulnerable. It's like whatever they tell you. I don't know if you heard this when you were in college, but... I heard it and it was like you need to fit into the city that you're in yes like you can't stand out yes so if you're going to new places make sure you dress like you fit in so you're not standing out exactly and there's some places that you can't help that (laughs) right yes from logistic standpoints yeah um so in addition like people try to tend to try to take advantage of people on vacation, whether it be like stealing money and identification or straight up kidnapping for money or for human trafficking or murder or for one reason or another. So there's a lot that can happen to you when you're, you know, not at home. Um, yeah. So occasionally we stray into the dark alleyways of true crime on this podcast because occasionally true crime and wilderness survival intersect Um, when a potential victim gets away this is one of those stories 
This also Ooh. happens. Yes. This also happens to be, I believe, the story of our youngest survivor yet. Oh, no way. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna, and I want to ask how old they are, but I'm going to wait to get into it. It's literally two sentences later. So. Perfect. <laughs> perfect, perfect, perfect. Um, this also is one of the most salacious stories that I've ever told on the podcast. Um, I'm dumb. This, what does salacious mean? Um, it kind of means like sinister. Okay. In a like. Spooky vibey. Not spooky, but like. Dad vibey? Like a, I'm going to look it up. The vibes are off. The vibes are off. Oh, that's not what I want it to mean. I've been using that word. <laughs> okay, well, good thing I asked. <laughs> <laughs> Having or conveying undue or inappropriate interest in, in sexual matters. Oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sinister is probably yeah, a better word for it. <laughs> I always thought it was like, like salacious is like juicy. You know what I mean? Like, like ooh, tell me more. Like, what's the hot goss? But I like, feel in a, like in a negative yeah. way. I feel like the the back end of that word makes it sound like it could be a juicy word. The way that like it's enunciated. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense to anybody, but it's making sense in my brain. So <laughs> we're going with it. So it's not salacious. It's sinister. I'm as dumb as you are, so don't worry. <laughs> hey, I don't think I'm that dumb, but I am kind of dumb. Um, you just said. <laughs> I know I did. I did say okay. I'm dumb. What's that word mean? Um, okay, so this is the story. It's not salacious. It's not salacious. Um, We're scientists, not writers. <laughs> of Terry Joe Duperall and her survival on the open sea. So Terry Joe was an 11-year-old girl, so thank God it's not salacious. Uh, yeah, big yikes if that was. <laughs> yeah. Um, born to Arthur and, G- and Jean Duperalt, um, who were living in Wisconsin before her family took a fateful trip to the Bahamas. Ooh, um, Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know one of my friends listens to this podcast and she tells me that I occasionally like have a northern midwestern accent so yeah so you know like like you know you're from Wisconsin or Minnesota or Michigan you know you'll live in the UP you know up there up north close to the I Canadian could border. not mimic that accent if my life depended on it well, see, I can because my aunt kind of has that accent. Yeah. My family's from Michigan. Um, I don't feel like I have it, but she says every once in a while I'll say something that'll sound very much. <laughs> Maybe it's like when you start getting into stories and you're really feeling it and you just kind of like roll with it. Maybe your I, A's yeah. or something start kind of and like your O's kind of slip a little bit. I don't know. I don't think I've ever heard of it, but I, I don't either. But what do I know? You might come up. Yes. Come Same here. I'm done. I don't even know what salacious means. I don't know what salacious <laughs> means. Um, anyway. Saul, so, uh, uh, Terry's, Terry's father, Arthur Duperalt, had dreamed of saving up for a trip, island hopping on in a cruise ship or even in a sailing vessel as the cold Wisconsin winters had caught up with him. 
Um, as an yeah. op, oh god, I, as an ophthalmologist, op- ophthalmologist, ophthalmologist, got it. <laughs> he was able to raise enough money by 1961 to take his family on his dream trip, including um, his wife Jean and her, and then Terry's 14-year-old uh, brother Brian and her seven-year-old sister Renee. So whole family's going. It's gonna be a vibe. A time. Yeah. A vibe. A vibe. A time vibe. A vibe. A mood. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I've just started throwing those words around. Clearly, I'm throwing all kinds of words around. But I <laughs> started throwing those words around because I'm like, I started doing it like to be funny, like pretend like I was Gen Z, and now I like use them all the fucking time because that. I'm- Yes, yeah, I relate to that very much. So oh. I ironically use words, and the next thing I know, I start using them in sentences, and I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, why am I like this? And then I feel like I have to defend myself, and then I just over-explain, and then no one cares. Yep, and then no I one feel cares. like, yeah, and then I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna shut up now. <laughs> so it was a vibe. <laughs> Long story short, it was a vibe. <laughs> um. Arthur chartered a boat out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida Ayo. with Ayo, shout out. Um, <laughs> with a friend, Julian Harvey and Julian's wife, Mary Danae. Um, and they would be the skipper, aka captain and crew of the trip, respectively. So Julian was a World War II veteran um, and a former Marine, so Arthur trusted him to keep his family safe at sea and knew that he had, ex- like, considerable experience with boats and stuff like that. Um, yeah, sounds about right. I'd trust that guy, too. Yeah, you'd think. So, <laughs> oh, no. The name of the small ship or the small boat was the Bluebell. And oh, cute. I know. I think that's a cute name. Um, and their destination was the Bahamas, where they would leisurely island hop for several weeks. Sounds like a great time. Sounds like a dream. Yeah. So Julian and his passengers set sail on the 8th of November in 1961 at night. And the group was sailing for five days, having a great time. They spent their days moving toward the tiny island chain of Bimini, Sorry, Bimini. Hey. And yeah, and spent the week snorkeling and collecting shells near small islands that they passed. On November 12th, Mary Dean, or sorry, Mary, Mary Danae Harvey, his wife, made chicken cacciatore and a salad for dinner. And it would be the last meal ever served aboard the yacht. Oh, that's sad. Also, chicken cacciatore is like the most 1960s dish I can think of. (laughs) I was going to say that sounds like a very classic dish, but also like that sounds like a pretty good dinner for your last dinner. Yeah. If I mean, if you're going to do it. At least it's not McDonald's. At least least it's not McDonald's. Of course, they didn't know it was going to happen to them. So it's very true. They didn't have a choice. Didn't have a choice. So around 9 p.m. on the 12th. Terry woke up to the screams of her brother and the sound of stamping, which she thought was coming from the deck. 
Oh no. Wait, to the sound of stamping? Yeah, like somebody stomping or stomping? Yeah. So that's kind of eerie if you're like in the middle of the ocean mm-hmm. on a boat and you're waking mm-hmm. up to the sound of stomping. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah. What happened? What happened next? So she stated in an interview, I ran on top of the deck to see what happened. I saw my mother and brother in a pool of blood. <gasps> what? Yeah. So. Oh, no. She saw Julian walking toward her and asked him what happened because she was thinking that it was an accident. Why would she think? I mean, he had been sailing as their captain and he was their dad's friend and a war veteran at that. Like, this is supposed to be the most upstanding kind of person. Yeah, I'm looking at his photo in the first slide right now. Oh, yeah. Pictures. Yeah. Yeah, so that's Terry's family uh, with, I think, the youngest sister hadn't been born yet. Um, and then the uh, captain, Julian Harvey. Wild. Was this, there, like, PTSD for him? Like, well, did he have, like, war, war trauma? I wouldn't be surprised, but there's more behind what he is doing Okay. than just that. But I wouldn't be surprised if that helped gotcha. him do it. I gotta say, though, there is something a little dead behind his eyes and his smile's a little, it's a little bit too much for me. You yeah, it's I mean? a little sinister to you. I don't know. I, when people smile really freaking big, it kind of creeps me out. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, like that, like in that picture. He's just a big smile guy. I mean, I have a big smile, yeah. but like that's it's kind of creepy, right? <laughs> it's like he's clenching big smile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, he's a giant oh. forehead. I just, I need to bring that up too. <laughs> You're like, I can't get onto the next sentence without bringing those up real quick. <laughs> I mean, he murdered people. So I'm allowed to talk about his like t- seven head. I don't know how many fingers, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> the big forehead. <laughs> so yeah. So she saw her mother and brother in a pool of blood. She then saw Julian walking toward her and asked him what happened. But he slapped her in the face and told oh her my to go God. below deck. So don't feel sorry for, for him. Don't feel sorry for him. Not even for a minute. She's like, I want to know what happened to my mom. Yeah. And you're just going to slap me in my face. Oh, yeah. So she was so scared from the experience that she ran back to bed thinking it was a nightmare because remember she's 11 she's a a literal child however within a few minutes she saw oily water seeping into the cabin oh no and she realized the ship was filling with water but was too afraid to move oh no so after gaining some confidence and realizing she had to do something, uh, Terry Jo had to abandon her cabin as water was lapping at the top of her mattress. Jesus. So that's like got to be like three feet of water that's in her cabin. Yeah. So she waded up the stairs and climbed. Uh, Julian was standing in the cabin's doorway at the top of the stairs with something in his hands. Shadowed, yeah shadowed by the light from above so all you can see is like this black silhouette yeah um potentially it was her brother's rifle but she wasn't sure 
he turned, he just stops at the top of the stairs, looks at her as she's looking up at him, like they can clearly see each other, says nothing, and then turned to walk out of the cabin and back up onto the upper deck. Oh my goodness. Like, how fucking creepy is that? That is very creepy. Like, besides the fact that, like, her mother and brother and, like, people are dead and dying and the ship is sinking, but, like, that moment? Yeah. It's so I thought she was going to be next. I wonder if he's, like, in a, like, a, not a trance, but, like, just very glazed over and, yeah, you know, he's, like, not choosing to spare her life, but also sparing her life. You know what I mean? There's been a lot of debate as to, like, why he's sparing her life at this point, but, so... She followed him, likely still kind of unaware that he might be the danger. She she still thought potentially that there was an accident. That's how much, like, they trusted this guy. She's also 11. Right. I feel like if I was 11 and this was my dad's friend, I would be very confused, too. Yeah, yeah. So she asked Julian if the boat was sinking, and he replied, yes. And then Julian told her to hold this and gave her the line to the dinghy that was connected to the yacht. Oh, wow. She was numb with shock and it slipped through her fingers and the dinghy drifted away from the sinking ship. Julian jumped overboard to catch the dinghy and disappeared into the darkness. Terry Joe never saw him again and was left alone on a sinking boat. Oh, no. So he just peaced out. He was like, peace out. I'm yeah. Done. So there's... Tell your mom and your brother, and then I'm going to ditch you. Right. Well, and it's assumed that he killed Renee, the sister, oh, and yeah. the father, yeah, um, Arthur, and his wife. Where was his wife? Yeah, I guess did he, like, throw them all overboard or something? Well, I think some of them were definitely still in the boat. Terry just didn't see them when she left. Oh, true. So yeah, like they could have killed them in their cabin or something. Yeah. So on slide two, there's a picture kind of imagining that fateful night. It's a, a charcoal drawing, very much in the style of the 1960s. Yeah. And because there's no pictures from any of this, obviously. Um, but I thought that was a, a cool, like, interpretation. Um, so she's on a sinking boat. She knew that there was a cork life float lashed to the top side of the cabin. Um, so she managed to get the life float free. And just as she did, the deck of the bluebell sank beneath the waves. She climbed onto the life float and was set adrift. For a moment, one of the lines from the float was snagged on the sinking ship and the float and Terry Joe were dragged underwater with the force of the sinking ship for a minute. But then the line came free. I cannot believe what she's been going through right now. Mm. Like, Oh yeah. just Just looking at the photo where she's on the life raft in the middle of the ocean. Yes. Like you're 11 years old you just lost all your family mm-hmm. and now you're stranded in the middle of the ocean yeah dear god oh yeah 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 that's 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 why this story is like bananas insane because i never i've never heard of it until my favorite murder did it 
that's going to need a lot of therapy. Oh yeah. Which we'll get into that too. Um, yeah. So, so the first night that she was out on the ocean, it rained all night, uh, causing her to shiver uncontrollably. She was fucking freezing. She had nothing on, but a white blouse and like pink capri pants so she was completely exposed to the elements which at night is terrible because it's cold but in the daytime it gets really really hot so yeah it's like being on the desert you're screwed either way so the next morning temperatures rose to 85 degrees fahrenheit and the sun began to burn her I'm sure she's like yeah. literally right in the middle of the ocean where the sun is going to hit her at all times. Yeah. And bounce off the water and all, you know, I honestly mm-hmm. sometimes feel like it's stronger out there just because of that, like reflective. The reflective. Yeah. Yeah. So she had no food, no water or any covering to protect her from the sun or heat on this life raft. And Honestly, this raft was a little more than a large lifesaver, like inflatable ring. It's like a big oval inflatable ring. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking at the, I guess it's the third page. Yeah. And there is an officer that has life raft like on its side. Yeah. That photo that puts it in good perspective because like from the aerial photo it looks like it's larger because she's like sitting in half of it but then Mm -hmm. the second photo this life raft is probably as long as she is like the mesh part the mesh part isn't as long as she is but the life raft itself is as long as she is so like she would if she was in the life raft like her head would be on yeah um the edge and then her probably like her knee pockets would be like floating over the other side of it yeah so it's about I would say it's about five feet long yeah which is shorter than most people yeah (laughs) like it's it's definitely like a single person life raft there's no way that you can put like more than one person on that right well and then so there's like the the ring part that's like made out of cork like like a like a lifesaver kind of deal uh-huh. And, but there's netting on the inside, which means there's no bottom to it. Right. So you're just sitting in water the entire time in the netting. Yeah, exactly. And the netting is the only thing keeping you from falling through. Yeah. There's, there's, so she's constantly wet the whole yeah, time. It's gross. So soggy. I hate being soggy. Well, that and with salt water gives you like uh, dehydration. Salt- and well, salt, salt blisters. blisters yeah which I get those a lot um I don't know if my my skin is just more sensitive to salt or just like irritations in general but even after just a normal field day I typically have like the beginnings of salt blisters on my forearms oh really mm-hmm. so like I can't imagine being in this no it's uh so so she constantly was in the salt water and What's worse is that this float was beginning to kind of decompose and fall apart because it's not like meant for this. Like 60 days or how how long was she out in the ocean? Did we say that yet? No. Okay. We're on day one. <laughs> yeah, well, this thing is not meant to withstand more than probably 24 hours. 
Well, I was thinking, you know, it's probably meant to be more of a like rescue kind of thing from like if you fell off the side of the boat. Exactly. Right. Instead of like, hey, the boat sunk. This is all you have kind of thing. Yeah. So this and the fact that she was sitting in the netting exposed her legs and feet to the teeth of parrotfish and other fish in the area, which would just nibble at her feet throughout the day. Parrotfish are not necessarily predatory towards humans, usually eat coral, but um, will explore their environment with their mouths and feed on detritus and other organic matter. So if they found like a dead animal, they'd probably nibble at it for sure. Um, So she's getting herself a little exfoliation on her pedicure. (laughs) Yeah, but have you seen the beak of a parrotfish? Yeah, no, that's definitely (laughs) not fun. (laughs) Um, so with each passing hour, her mouth became drier and drier, but reportedly she had no appetite and wasn't thirsty. And this is potentially due to the fact that she was just in shock. Yeah, I believe it. Which honestly might have helped her mental state in, mm-hmm. in a weird way. Because I was don't like know. numb to everything. She was so shocked. She was numb and wasn't really processing. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Maybe like, I don't know, I don't know if it's better to be, have like insatiable thirst. So you're not thinking about the fact that your parents died or thinking about the fact that your parents died. So you're not thinking about how thirsty you are. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) Either way you're suffering, I guess. So on the following day, November 14th, she saw a small red plane circling overhead. Terry Jo took off her blouse and waved it at the plane And once the plane dove toward her, close enough for her to see the details of the plane's belly, but it was at an angle that the pilots didn't notice her. No. uh, Which I feel like happens. It's always like that. It is always like that. Um, And part of this is because she was in a white float with a white shirt and blonde hair. And that made it difficult for other ships um, to be able to identify her as a castaway because all of uh, the white caps on the sea. Yeah, it just looked like another white cap. (laughs) She just blend in with the white caps. Um, And this is something that is a major problem with like individuals lost at sea. So, for example, when I was on my trans-Pacific research trip that I did in my undergrad, um, we would do man overboard drills in case someone fell overboard. Um, We would throw this brightly colored soccer ball that had like a flag attached sticking up Mm -hmm. to the top of it. We'd throw it overboard and all, all of us, which was like 31 people, would follow the soccer ball around, literally pointing at it the entire time with our fingers, mm-hmm. watching it the entire time, while a few other crew members would lower the small dinghy in the water to go retrieve it. So I remember a few times when the white caps were um, starting to get bad, we would lose the soccer ball within five minutes. Oh, God. Even with all of us standing on deck pointing at it. Yeah, everyone just lost it. So that's how quickly you can lose sight of someone. So for Terry, who they didn't know she was out there and she was wearing all white, almost, it was kind of a hopeless situation. 
Yeah, well, I'm sure like her pants, like her pants are pink, but I'm sure the sun is probably bleaching them too. Yeah. So they're probably not even dark pink. I don't know. Plus she's like sitting in the water. So what's above the surface is white. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I I can see how it happened because I've watched it happen. Right. To a brightly colored soccer ball. That wasn't the same color as the waves. It's bonkers. It's so here's my advice to everybody who goes out to sea. Don't fucking fall overboard because and don't fall overboard. (laughs) So like people fall overboard from like cruise ships all the time and they just are never seen again. Yeah, so I was on TikTok and I follow Reddit on TikTok and Reddit had this one TikTok up and it was like, what's like to all my sailors out there, like what's the craziest thing that you've seen at sea? And this one guy wrote in about how he worked on a commercial vessel and, you know, the back of the deck is called like the wet deck because it's Mm -hmm. like constantly wet, can go underwater, whatever. Yeah. And he was saying how one day or evening, whatever time of day was, um, the swells were so bad that this big wave came up and crashed onto the wet deck, drug one of their crew members out and then the next wave that came back on just plopped him back on the deck <laughs> it's like moana <laughs> it is i went into the comments and that's actually one of the comments that the, that was written it was like clearly he needs to return the heart of tafiti like- <laughs> <laughs> but that's so he that guy is so lucky oh yeah for sure because that he definitely was gonna be dead if that next wave didn't come in quick enough yeah Oh my god! I feel like a lot of people just think like, "Oh, if you fall overboard, I'll just throw you a life raft." That's only like really, like honest to god, feasible. Like you'll probably survive if there is no wind at all. Yeah, and if somebody sees you go overboard, yeah. But the minute there's white caps, it starts to get really, really difficult. Yeah, it's no, it's so a, scary. I do not ever want to be stranded at sea. No, thank you. Not, <laughs> not my no. journey. No thanks. I I just feel like it's so hopeless, but here she is. So let's get back to her. Yeah. Um, so Terry Joe was drifting in the Northwest Providence Channel between two major Bahamian islands and would soon drift north into the Gulf Stream, where she would be carried out into the Atlantic. And all hope of rescue at that point would be absolutely lost because there would be a lot less ships to see her basically yeah um also she'd just be drifting farther and farther from land so that afternoon she's floating along she saw shapes about 30 yards from her float beneath the water surface and at first she thought they were sharks which same um but they were porpoises so they stayed with her for hours and Terry Joe felt comforted by their company and she gave a prayer of thanks to God for sending them. And they weren't just like hanging out. They were literally like popping up to look at her and like Aww. check on her. Like, which it's I like did. her family was reincarnated to porpoises. Yes. Like in Moana. <laughs> Cute. Stop. Um, Honestly, though, it literally gives me chills because, like, it is so cool when, like, 
super intelligent animals that aren't humans do stuff like that because like they know they know things yeah. um and I feel like we don't give them a lot of like we just assume that we're the smartest because we made tools and buildings and shit but like right they're I feel like they're equally as intelligent just in a completely different way that we don't comprehend because we're primates yeah they just don't have opposable thumbs but that too opposable yeah. thumbs help when it comes to building things yeah well and why would you need to build anything when you're just swimming in the ocean catching fish you know what I mean right so anyway I just thought that was a cool tidbit yeah no I like that so that night she had a dream that her father was sitting peacefully at a table with a glass of red wine she heard his voice call out to her come on Terry Joe, we're leaving and then she woke up oh on Wednesday, November 15th, she began hallucinating. How many days after the initial? Three. Three? Okay. Which checks out because you really can only go three days without water. Yeah, that's what I was, yeah. So the glare of the sun caused her dry eyes very intense pain. All of her muscles ached. She was getting sunburned through her clothes at this point. And her lips were chapped and swollen. I bet. At this point, she was balancing unsteadily on the edges of the float because the inner netting had decomposed so much that she could no longer sit on it. Yep. Also bet on that too. Yeah. She began seeing tiny desert islands with single palm trees and would try to paddle toward them, but they would disappear. Oh God. That's the, oh God. That's so bad. Yeah, so she's, like, imagining... Real real hallucinating. Yeah, yeah. Eventually, she just fell unconscious. On day four, November 16th, she could not feel the burning rays of the sun. That's the worst, because that's a large sign of heat poisoning, Mm -hmm. I think, right? Yeah. She was in a deep sleep on the brink of death. By mid-morning, she emerged from her unconsciousness and opened her eyes to see a huge beast looming before her and heard a rumble so deep she could feel it in her chest. It morphed into a great whale and then to a soft... (laughs) Imagine waking up from being unconscious and a whale is just like right there. Oh my god. Fuck! (laughs) That would wake you up real good. <laughs> Sorry, it's not funny. Um, <laughs> but it is not, funny. but holy shit. You're like, what the fuck? So, great whale. And then it morphed into a solid black wall suspended above her. She could mm. see heads and waving arms atop the walls. Then strong arms lifted her up slowly and she slipped back into unconsciousness. So it wasn't a whale. Let's get to it. (laughs) (laughs) So it was during this time that Nicholas Spakadakis, the second officer of the Captain Theo, which was a ship, uh, had been scanning the Northwest Providence Channel Strait that divides the two islands in the Bahamas. At first, he thought he just saw another white cap, 
then he realized it was something else floating along in the water. He alerted the captain, and the captain put the freighter on a collision course for the object. They were then completely surprised to see a young girl floating entirely by herself in a lifeboat. It was Terry Joe. Wow. Uh, I just got chills. Yeah. There were hundreds of other boats in the channel, but Nikolaus was the only one to see her. Oh my God. It must have been really bad out there if he was the only one. But it, it wasn't that, it really wasn't that bad. Oh. Because there was a lot of boat traffic. It's just there were white caps. Yeah. Which happens. Um, at the time of her rescue, one of the crew members took the picture of her squinting up at the freighter, her saviors, and that picture made it to the cover of Life magazine. And that is that picture that you talked about earlier. Yeah. It's just her on that shitty, shitty life raft looking up just surrounded by water yeah it's such a chilling picture gosh i was just gonna say i got chills again <laughs> and so it, it was this was the point when she was hallucinating the big whale beast mm-hmm. hanging over her but it was at the freighter is what she was seeing that's so wild yeah she has spent a grueling 84 hours on the open ocean Ugh. She was also very close to dying, so she got real lucky. Yes, she did. After getting rescued, Terry Jo was taken to a Miami hospital by helicopter and spent the first week rehydrating and sleeping, as well as getting, like, sunburn recovery. Mm -hmm. Um, After a week of recovery, officials questioned her about the events And that's when she told police that Julian had murdered her family. God. Yeah. So we'll go to slide three. Um, That picture next to the lifeboat picture is her Mm -hmm. in the hospital immediately following her rescue. You can tell her skin is just like swollen and puffy. And her lips are all chapped and puffy too. The poor girl. And then on the next slide you can see her like a week after yeah you can still see like she's peeling because of the burns on her skin but But she looks looks a lot better yeah so let's get to julian over here yeah what the fuck happened to him yeah so what had actually happened on that night was that julian drowned his wife Oh, what an asshole. And stabbed the rest of the Duperalt family to death. Fucking dick. It was unsure why Julian didn't kill Terry, too. Especially considering that he had killed her seven-year-old sister, like, with no issue. Yeah. Because that was my first thought. I was like, well, like, maybe it's because she's a young girl. Like, he's got this weird little conscious. Yeah. Conscience. But, like, he killed her sister, who was seven. So that maybe he was just waiting to do something to her before he killed her. Maybe it was salacious. That's gross. I don't even want to think about it. Sorry. Yuck. Yucky. That's not funny. It's because I didn't (laughs) fucking use salacious, right? (laughs) Um, so 
some have theorized that he had some kind of unconscious desire to be caught, which is something a lot of people say when like serial killers like slip up for no reason. Yeah, I mean, it's like the psychopath narcissistic side of them. Yeah. It's like the the taunting, like BTK did it, like mm-hmm. wrote letters into the police, like, oh, yeah. Like, did you guys get my other package? Like, I left it here for you. And then it just, like, this is what I watched on Catching Kill- a Killer or something, whatever that was called. Yeah. Um, like, the, I did not realize that he wrote a letter into the police mm-hmm. and was like, uh, pretty much asked, like, if they wouldn't, I can't remember now, this is horrible, but it was like he, in the end, sent them a floppy disk. Yes. And it was like, poli- can you trace this? Don't lie to me. And they were like, we can't trace yeah, it. You can't trace it. Yeah, no, you sent us a floppy disk. Yeah. And then they <laughs> fucking traced it. And they're like, they got all the information. I, I find that one so hilarious to me. Yeah. Like, don't lie to me. Like, they're the cops. They want to stop you from killing people. Like, they're. <laughs> yeah, idiot. Yeah. And then I did not realize that they used his child's, uh, like, medical mm-hmm. st- samples from college to match yeah. the DNA evidence. I was like, oh, wow, they're good. They kind of did that with um, GSK, the Golden State Killer as well. That's how they got it. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. So wild. Anyway, continue. But I don't like, feel like that's why that's, I don't think it was like a taunting thing. If anything, it was more like an unconscious, like, like, I know I'm doing bad. Somebody should catch me. Like there should be some chance of somebody catching me because they're like guilty. But like considering like they know they're a monster so they want to be caught yeah gotcha it's like almost like a a subconscious like like nagging at the back of like hey you're a bad person you shouldn't be doing this kind of thing but they keep doing it anyway yeah I mean those people got a lot of mental problems that I just I can't comprehend but here's my thing considering how you left Terry Joe it's highly unlikely at least to him and honestly like to me as well that she would have survived from his view at the time you know what I mean like he left yeah. her on a sinking ship right like she should maybe have died that was what, maybe that was his way of killing her he's like yeah I'm just gonna let you die slow death yeah yeah you know maybe maybe he like killed all of them very quickly and she was like the last one but like because he did it all in the dark he didn't really see them yeah and then he saw her face and was like oh fuck He's you like, I still have one more. Or that, or like he like had a moment of humanity where he saw her face because he was oh. doing it in the dark. And was like, yeah. oh, I'm killing like literal children right now. Yeah. Maybe I should not. Maybe I should not be an asshole and kill literal children. Maybe I should let the seeking boat do it for me. You know what uh, I mean? Yeah. That's my theory anyway. Yeah, I don't um, know. But in addition to all of this, he actually was just trying to collect life insurance and just accident insurance money. Wait, what? You can't do that from someone else's family, though. Um, so it was likely he killed his wife to collect the life insurance policy of 20 grand. He, which at the time I'm sure was a decent amount of money. Um, 
He then sunk the yacht himself, which I believe it, it was his yacht or like there was something where he would get money from sinking it. Okay. Um, and he escaped on the dinghy with his drowned wife's corpse as evidence that the yacht sinking was an accident. What a fucking sicko. Yeah, so he drowned her so it looked like the yacht sinking was an accident. Yeah, and then she couldn't swim and so he tried to save her but she drowned and so now he's like taking her back. And so because he has a body he can get the life insurance policy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What a fucking sicko. But he just happened to had to kill everybody else. Yeah, because there were witnesses. Mm-hmm. So I can't have any witnesses around. Yeah, so his his one of his really good friends and their entire family children, like how horrific. Yeah. Like Jesus. So that was the real reason that he did all of that. What an ass. But I think his PTSD probably, if he had it, would have helped him do some of that. Yeah, at first I thought this was like a um like a PTSD war nightmare where he thought he was being attacked and he accidentally killed someone and then it just escalated because then he panicked which like I know that that kind of thing can happen in the sense of like a lot of husbands a lot of wives sleep next to their husbands wake up to them choking them in the middle of the night it's a thing and it's not like a they want to kill their wives it's a they're having a dream that they're you know in a war zone yes but that being said a lot of men and women come back from war with ptsd and don't murder people for money yeah or murder people at all right so right it's one of those like your your tragic backstory can explain why you're doing some of the things but it's not an excuse right yeah so that's that's all i have to say about the uh, ptsd side of that so anyway back to what happened to him so he was found by the freighter the gulf lion um in the dinghy and was brought to a u.s coast guard base in florida um, he to- told the Coast Guard that the yacht had broken down and sank while he was on the dinghy and he was only able to pull his poor wife's body from the water. Um, several days later, it was reported that Terry Joe had been found alive and he reportedly stammered when he heard the news. And he was like, oh, oh, my God. Why? That's wonderful. Yeah, I bet he did. He's like, oh, fuck. I'm totally toast now so great (laughs) it was so great the child that i tried to kill is alive yay for me um so we're gonna talk about um suicide for a quick second so if you don't want to hear about it move forward about 15 seconds so the following day harvey killed himself in his hotel room yeah he probably had nowhere else to go he slit his thigh, ankle, and throat with a razor. Ugh. Yeah. That's a way to do it. That's rough. That's a that's, really rough yeah, way to do that's, it. That's not fun. So obviously, None of that's ever fun. Yeah. Obviously, like, he had some semblance of guilt. Yeah. Over. That's what I was saying. Like, he had nowhere else to go. Like, he knew yeah. he was fucked. So. Yeah. 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 So 
Terry says of the events later, I've never doubted my memory of the events that took place on November 12th, 1961. I was old enough to understand that my family had been taken from me, but not old enough to process why Captain Julian Harvey would kill them and leave me in the middle of the ocean to drown. Because that's hard to comprehend for anyone that we trust. We're trying to figure it out too, Terry Joe. Yeah. Like you trust them and it's just like, Jesus, like, why would you do that to, like, why would a person do that to anyone in the first place? And then it's like doing that to someone that you trust is like a whole other level. And then doing it to a child. Money, but I feel like there's a lot easier ways to, to kill your wife that don't involve killing an entire family. Yeah, like maybe wait till you guys are back on land or something. I don't know. I mean, get creative with it, I guess. That doesn't, I'm not, I'm not saying you should kill your wife. Yeah, no, definitely you, don't. Don't have, no, just like don't kill anyone. We do That's not great. advocate for murder. No, no, but like, no, yeah, please let's get that you, straight. Do not kill anybody. Why do you have to kill a whole fucking family? Like, that's the crazy thing. That is crazy. I don't get that either. Because I know people murder for money, but, like, killing that family was not necessary for him to get his wife's insurance policy. I think it was probably one of those things where he was caught killing his wife, and then it just escalated, and he had to kill, like, witnesses and stuff. Because he probably thought in his head, like, oh, if I just drown her, then I can make up some story of how Mm. she fell overboard, and I couldn't get her quick enough. And, like, it's it's a sad story. But, like, if someone saw him... I could see that just escalating. And, yeah. 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 Okay. So, I see, so like the, one of the family members caught him. He was originally just going to have her drown and be like, my wife's dead. And they'd be like, Oh yeah. my gosh, we're so sorry. Like, okay. And then the one family member or maybe like two family members were together and saw it happening. And then he, you know, killed those two and then just kind of went off the right. rails. Like, well, now I have to kill everyone because like, how am I going to explain yeah. this? Like, I mean, like, once you stab somebody, it's kind of hard to pretend like it's an accident. Especially if you're in the middle of the ocean with, like, the rest of their family, too. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you're not, like, clearly you're the asshole. So, (laughs) you know, bear. Am I the asshole? I'm thinking about those TikToks. (laughs) (laughs) Is it me? Am I the drama? Ooh, maybe I am. (laughs) I don't think I'm the drama. Yeah, you're the drama. Um, so cool fact, fun fact, after this incident, uh, the Coast Guard changed boating regulations to have bright orange on life rafts instead of white. So it'd be easier to spot survivors on life rafts in 1962. I was going to ask if that's when that changed, because I don't think I've ever seen a white, a white life raft. Well, that kind of is a tongue twister, a white how i can't do it again a white life raft um i don't know why that's so hard for my tongue to do um but yeah i haven't seen one of those yeah i don't think ever i'm just always seeing the orange ones that is why it's a story yeah um so terry Joe went to live in green bay to live with her aunt her father sister and her three cousins she came to ask who she started to live with when she got back. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like everybody's gone. Um, yeah. She changed her name to Ter, T E R E, when mm-hmm. she was 12 to avoid the media and the memories of this traumatic event of losing her entire immediate family. 
Um, she went on oh, to poor study. Girl. She's just like wants to move on. Yeah. I mean, what else can you do? Yeah. What else can you do? So she studied x-ray technology in college, but realized she could not deal with emergency room trauma, which I totally Fair. get. Yeah. Um, so she instead got a bachelor's degree in cultural geography from the University of Wisconsin, Green Bay. She was reunited by Oprah <laughs> with the freighter captain that saved her. But even then, she could not fully tell her traumatic story. Wow. Um, she was a water management specialist with the Wisconsin DNR for 14 years cool. and is now re- retired. So she kind of worked in our kind of Natural field. resources. Yep. Um, she states, I was forever drawn to water after this tragedy, not repelled like someone would expect. When I applied with the DNR, it was for a position with fisheries. I started working on the water and really loved it. Water is life and it is soothing for me to be on the beach. I find I can think clearly, relax, and feel closer to my lost family. That's fair. Which is so interesting considering like... All the trauma that surrounds water for her. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like those experiences she had where like she like saw the pot of porpoises that like hung out with her and like watched yeah. her you know I feel like there was some moments out there where she felt like she was gonna be okay yeah in 1999 she was given a sodium amethyl or truth serum interview which was suggested to her by her friend Richard Logan um, because he thought it would give her confidence to believe in herself about what she saw and heard during that time just to try to get over the mental blocks that she had set up for herself oh yeah interesting um did it work yeah she was able to kind of get out the story of you know what truly happened which is interesting because they controversially that is used to usually extract like information about crime from people yeah yeah or like how like kind of tap into their subconscious of like mm-hmm. super traumatic events to try to figure out the truth of right. the event too yeah so her and her husband ross or sorry ron fassbender live in kiwani wisconsin they have six children from previous marriages and five grandchildren Tara finally wrote a book about the events 15 or sorry 50 years later in 2010 where she reveals what happened the night her family was murdered and she drifted alone on the open ocean for days and it's called alone orphaned on the ocean Tara speaks of her experience i always believed i was saved for a reason if one person heals from a life tragedy my journey will have been worth it Jeez, louise and so that's the picture of her um, on a talk show where she was introducing her book uh, 50 years later. It's, uh, and that's the story of uh, Terry Joe Duperalt. That's so wild. Horrific ordeal. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. I'm glad that she survived to tell her story, but yeah. that was just so traumatizing to just yeah. one second have your family and the next just like not 
and then be stuck in the middle of the ocean for four days yeah and nearly die I mean like basically you know it's amazing that she survived as long as she did because most people would die after you know 72 hours without yeah without water water god I love drinking water I don't know what I would do if I was ever stranded Honestly, like it's making me thirsty right now because I only have. Like, I've been drinking left my, in my big glass. cup of water this whole time. I'm like <laughs> sucking it down, and I'm enjoying it with my lemon in it too. I'm like, anytime we talk about something that's like super hot, super cold, super thirsty, what I start feeling. Yeah, like, like I need it in my body right now. Yeah, or like if we talk about like a specific injury that's like really gruesome or graphic, I just start thinking about like that body part on me you know what I mean like you get like the ghost tingles <gasps> yeah or whatever they're called yeah talk about this stuff is how I feel alive I'm just kidding yeah but kind of <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just that picture of her on the life raft that's wild that's the one that gets me especially because I did those man overboard um drills and it like, puts everything saw. in perspective yeah like you see how quickly you can lose somebody. Yeah. And I think about that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's fair. Um anyway. Citations. So, oh yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Sources I used were the horrific survival tale of the eleven year old girl who was orphaned at sea by Gabe Paoletti. And that is from all that is interesting.com. Um, Orphaned on the Ocean, the story of Terry Joe Duperalt by Lily Rowan from History Daily. Um, and then Book Him Alone, Orphaned on the Ocean by Barry Leibowitz of CBS News. Um, and that's all I got. So gotcha. Um, Sounds grand. So I guess we should, uh, after talking about mayhem and murder simple nice things please uh let's talk about happy things (laughs) happy things uh my happy thing is that tomorrow i'm getting a massage and i'm really looking forward to it i'm honestly so jealous that sounds so nice (laughs) and i just signed up for a pilates class so i'm going to be doing a pilates class in the morning so there's that i'm excited you're just kind of like a self-care day kind of um the afternoon massage was a treat yourself uh, for my boss, my coworker, and I for mm-hmm. the the lots of planning that went into Ocean Fest. It was like our reward. But unfortunately, my boss texted us today and said that she's got like another appointment that she has to be at, and like it's during that time, so she had to reschedule hers. But it was gonna it was gonna be like a team team treat yourself team bonding exercise yeah rubbed down by oily men no, i'm just kidding <laughs> yeah well we're also gonna get lunch too <laughs> so it would have been nice it, i mean still gonna be nice but it's just i feel bad she's kind of had like a the rough end of the stick she's been sick and yeah now she can't even get a massage which she probably very much needs yes so yes yeah and then my i ran into my friend at the grocery store the other week and she was telling me how there's this pilates studio that she saw in marathon and they have reformers and i was like oh my god that's so great like i haven't found a pilates studio that has reformers down here and she's like oh you should check them out so i went and i called them yesterday 
and they have a 7 a.m. class that I'm going to drop in and check out tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited because I haven't done Pilates in like three years and I loved doing the mega former Pilates. And I know that this reformer is not the same as a mega former, but it's similar. So I'm mm-hmm. hoping that it, I still like it just as much. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I need to jump back on the yoga train now that my foot is healed. Yeah. Because it, I... it was not a good, I tried like twice uh, to do yoga. And I was like, this is not, <laughs> my foot is not happy right now. That's fair. Yeah. yeah, I um I just need the accountability to work out and mm. I need to work out badly. So there's that. And then in three weeks I'm going back home for my best friend's wedding. So there's Yay. that. Yeah. So those are my weddings. happy things. <laughs> so yeah. many weddings. I got another invitation for another wedding today. Did you really? Yes. You came home from a wedding and get an invitation for another wedding. <laughs> yep, I did. Um, so okay. Yeah, mine, my turn. Yeah, your turn. I guess I'm glad that I'm uh, not as sick anymore as I was in yeah. the airport yesterday. So there's yeah. that because that really sucked. Um, but another thing, uh, so I, when we were in Omaha, we had some time like to kill before we got on our flight the last day we were there. So we were just trying to kind of figure out what to do, wandered into this um, like used book store like book reseller okay and um I found an entire three shelves of books that were just about arctic and polar exploration that's cool <laughs> did I you buy any myself I did I had to put I had like 10 books at one point and I was like you cannot buy all of these because I was about to ask them. how many you were gonna fit in your suitcase <laughs> because I also found an entire bookcase about like nautical stuff and like yeah. a lot of good like survival stories and then also two shelves of like mountaineering stuff oh my gosh and I was like well fuck me I guess um so I ended I up with do three. all of it I ended yeah. up with three because one of each <laughs> kind of I didn't I didn't buy any of the um ship books but um I bought two that are going to be for episodes that we're doing like late, much later this year. So I could like yeah. use them to do research. So I was like, that's how I made this decision. I was like, well, I'm doing these episodes. So I'm going to buy. <laughs> you just, it's a, it's a write-off. Yeah. Just write it off. Exactly. And then the third one was this lovely like coffee table book that had, um, a huge chunk of Frank Curley's photos from the Endurance uh, oh, like cool. expedition. That's awesome. So I had That's to buy totally it. your jam. I was gonna say, I don't think you could have passed that one up. No. So I was like super thrilled. About that. That's awesome. Because I'm the biggest nerd in the world. Um, well, those photos are cool photos too. And it's nice are. to know that everyone survived. So. <laughs> I think that's kind of what makes it better. Yes. Um, yeah, I just have such niche interests that when I find this kind of stuff, I like freak out, like actually yeah. freak out. Um, but yeah, I had to put like seven books back. Oh, I'm sure. Because <laughs> I had to get them on the plane. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway. So it's like your carry-on is like 10 books in a bag. Yeah. 
Well, I saved the titles so that I can go on Amazon and buy them. Like that's a good idea. Yeah. Um. So that's the plan. Anyway. So that that's kind of my happy thing, and then also I am going home this upcoming weekend because my brother is graduating um, from Virginia Tech and also getting commissioned. So that's so great. Yeah, Ethan. I know doing big family things. So yeah. It is very short turnaround, so I'm getting whiplash a little bit. Yeah, that's. I, if I had more time at home, I was thinking about stopping in at the Copper Cricket and saying hi to your mom. Yeah, <laughs> just like walking and being like, "What's up?" Yeah, yeah. But I didn't have any time to do that. So. I know. I bear. I'm like getting friend like dinner with like one friend, and like that's it. Like I don't yeah. have. And I'm all I'm my going- friends moved out of the te- moved out of uh, the area now. Oh yeah. Yeah, but she's still in the D.C. area, so it's easier okay. to, yeah. But yeah, anyway. yeah, the last one that was there moved to Richmond, so. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, so um, those are my happy things this I week. I love it. Yeah. Good deal. Yeah, self-care and finding really niche books. <laughs> the important things in life. The important things in life. Yeah. Um, all right, well. Next episode is going to be a little interesting. Uh, gonna, I kind of have a kind of different story that's not what we typically do, but it is oh, yeah? all related. Um, and it's about space, so that's fun. It's going to be fun. Um, I'm pretty excited about it, and I did a lot of research, so we're gonna have to skip out on the news story next week. Okay, that's fine because I did a lot. Um, so does that have to do with aliens? Are there aliens involved? I'll just wait. We'll just okay. wait and see. Sorry, I'm okay. getting excited. <laughs> <laughs> um all right, so where can our listeners find us? Our listeners can find us anywhere on the interwebs on any listening platform like Spotify, Google, Apple, what have you. Um and you guys can follow us on Instagram at Mother Nature Will Kill you Podcast, on Twitter, MNWKY Podcast. Um, and we also have a website, Mother Nature Will Kill you Podcast.com. You can read up on our bios there. You could also listen to the podcast there. You can write in any questions you have for us or any comments. And um, yeah, I think that's it. And yeah, that's almost covers it. If you want, you can um, submit your own survival story. Um, it does not have to be going on a vacation with your family, them all being murdered, and you get abandoned on the ocean for four days. But yeah, dear God, please no. If that did happen, we want to know about it. So, but it it doesn't have to be anything crazy. It can be you know something like you were just kind of uncomfy out in nature or something unsettling happened to you while you were on the trail or on a boat, something like that. It does not have to be anything crazy. It could also be something that happened to your family member, what have you, obviously mm-hmm. with permission, of course. Yes. Um, you can submit that to, we have a page on our website um, where you can just submit your story to us and it'll go straight to our email and we can read it and we can talk about it. And then also, if you want to support the podcast, but don't want to spend any money because we live in a capitalist hellscape, you can give us a five-star review 
um, on any of our listening platforms. Basically what it does is it helps push us up the algorithm so that more people see us and potentially listen to our crazy fucking rambling. So. Wowie. Um, yeah. <laughs> I can just tell every time I'm about to say capitalist hellscape, like you just like innerly like. Getting- it just cracks me up every time. <laughs> it's like the same tone every time. <laughs> The dead inside kind of tone. Just well, slightly. also, especially because today it was, I heard that there was a document that was leaked saying that the Senate was going to overturn Roe versus Wade. And oh, I'm yeah. just like, yeah. yeah. So that's that's where I was also just like, this is perfect timing right now. I uh-huh. mean, especially like, it's just, oh, there's yeah. So much, there's so much shit that's happening. <laughs> there's just so much that you're just like, why do, why do I live here? Why? Yeah. Everybody's trying to survive now. No. <laughs> um, like, uh, I'm not crying. I'm laughing. Yeah. <laughs> or the uh comic where it's the dog and like the whole room is on fire behind him and he's just holding it. Like, this is fine. Like, this, this is fine. <laughs> that is like our entire lives, all of us oh, right now. I, I know. It. I know um, it's so bad. <laughs> so bad. Anyway. With anyway, that yeah. depressing note, <laughs> we went from depressing to happy back to depressing. Sorry, guys. My bad. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's hard to be a woman in today's America. Um, so uh, with that, <laughs> bid you adieu. <laughs> uh, stay safe. But most of all, stay curious, explorers. See you later and make sure you vote for people that's not going to ruin women's bodies. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fuck me.